0: some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hey, everyone! Welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm your host Connie Albers. I'm so glad you joined the program every Wednesday. You tune in so faithfully, and just so you know, we have an archive of podcasts that you can download, listen to. And today's episode, like all the other episodes, are found on ConnieAlbers.com. The show notes, links to the folks that I talk with—they're so amazing, aren't they? Well, this week is no exception. This week, I have Shannon Daly, and she's with Samaritan's Purse. Now, you probably heard me touch on Samaritan's Purse, and I know that I talked about stress and parenting and what it does and how it impacts us and letting our kids fail. And I just talked about serving, and it dawned on me after I recorded that podcast, I need to actually have someone from Samaritan's Purse on the podcast. So that's what We've done. And I have my friend, Shannon Daly, on the program. Shannon, thank you for joining us. I know like, you're super busy taking care of disasters, but you have carved out some time to join us and my listeners here at Equip to Be. Thank you for coming on the program. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Okay. So Shannon, tell our listeners like who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive right in. How does that sound? Sounds great.
1: Yes, I'm Shannon Daly. I am a regional program manager with Samaritan's Purse U.S. Disaster Relief, meaning when disasters hit within the United States, we mobilize um, and set up camp partnering with local churches to mobilize volunteers to go in and assist homeowners affected by those disasters. And our volunteers will go in and clean out flooded homes and get them ready for our repair or rebuild process. They'll cut trees and clean up debris in people's yards, tarp roofs, and really just meet those physical needs of people in the community while loving on them and showing them that they're not alone and showing them the love of Christ.
0: I love it. I love it. And you know... When we were talking the other day, something that, you know, I've always seen Dr. Franklin Graham, I see him on the television and all the things, it's like they're removed. You're removed from our daily lives because it's not very often that we have a disaster hit in our backyard. But I live in Florida and we get walloped with hurricanes. And this year, you know, just a few weeks ago, we actually got hammered by Hurricane Ian. And I live in Central Florida. Now, the Southwest Florida got decimated. I mean, you've, I don't know if you're there currently or if you've been there, but I know you have teams there and it is devastating. I don't think, Shannon, I don't think the news, even with all their drone footage and people, boots on the ground, I don't think they can really grasp what that actually looks like, what that disaster really, really looks like. And that there is a need for God's people to come alongside and give of their time, their talent, or their resources. And something that I've always loved about Samaritan's Purse is that you're a trusted organization. You know, you don't just throw up a lead page on your website and say, donate here. And then you never know where that money went. And a lot of times it goes straight to administration and very little of that money actually helps bring relief and help and Samaritan's Purse is different than that. So I am in Central Florida. And immediately, Shannon, when you talked about trees, I thought, we lost nine 40-foot trees. And that's nothing compared to losing your house, which several of my friends' homes were flooded. And we were in Central Florida. And it just got me thinking, if more people understood the purpose of why you do what you do and how they can help. And now I know I have listeners, you're around the world, you're over in in Lebanon and you're in South Africa and, and you're over in Europe and Switzerland, you're everywhere, but you can still help. If you're part of the kingdom, that's what we're supposed to do. And it's not just the government's or a government's job. It is part of their job, but it's part of our job to walk alongside and care for people. So Shannon, let's talk about some of the ways, and I would say- When you've done this for a while, let me just back up and say, how has this job impacted you? Because you're, you know, you're the regional program rep. I mean, you deal with this all the time. You're organizing people and groups and the needs you've got to, you know, you've got to siphon through all the needs that are out there. How has this impacted you personally?
1: Absolutely. You know, I've been on staff with Samaritan's Purse for six years, but I started as a volunteer. And was a volunteer for 11 years, uh, starting back with Katrina. And yes, it's hard to go into a storm area where people's lives are devastated, where you see so much damage, you see so much infrastructure destroyed. You know, as I sit here in Pinta Gorda, and I just look around and I see the number of trees that are down, the number of roofs that need to be tarped. All of those things are hard. But I think what continues to drive me to do the work that God has called me to do is the people. When you start to talk to the people and you find out that they're not just concerned about the trees that are laying down in their yards or the holes in their roof, but they had so many things going on before the storm, whether they had broken relationships or death of loved ones or illness or caring for loved ones who are ill, whatever it is, all of that's going on. And then these trees fall in their yard or their home gets flooded and they have no hope. They have no place. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to get help. And so to be able to come along and walk alongside of them, to wrap your arms around them and just hug them and let them know they're not alone, to let them know that you know Jesus Christ has called us to do this work, to love our neighbor. And we can do that in a tangible way to show them the love of Christ and to let them know that while times are hard, God is right there with them, that Jesus Christ loves them and died for them, and we get the opportunity to do that. And so that drives us that even on the toughest of days to go and to serve and to do what God's called us to do, and in the toughest of situations uh, with some of those homeowners, to be able to let them know that we can at least walk alongside of them one step at a time, and while we mud out their home or clean up those trees, it at least gets them to the next step of recovery. And what we frequently see when that happens is that homeowner who is hopeless gets that little bit of glimmer of hope in their eyes that there is a chance to move beyond this. And so that's what drives me to keep doing what I do. And I think that's what drives most of our volunteers to continue to do what they do
0: when you think about volunteers, is there a certain age that uh, folks need to be to to volunteer? I, I know, you want, you know, parents to be involved and communities, but there's something that you said that has just kind of resonated with me and and that was people are in need. It's not a political issue. And it's not about who you voted for or what side of, you know, a cultural debate you are on or where your ideological values sit. It's about people. It's about, you know, I said I had trees go down. That's nothing compared to having lost everything, your business, your home, your loved ones. And when we think about the work that you do, and I believe it's the work that we should all do, is we see people, the humanness of them. And I love, Shannon, what you said about people went in, or whether it's a hurricane or it's a fire, or it's a tornado cuz you don't just do you know I know that you've got a group of folks down in Puerto Rico because of Fiona you've got groups all over the world so it's not just one tragedy and and if you know my listeners aren't in the on the mainland of the US it's not just America it's all around the world that you you send teams but the disaster part of the mental and the emotional toll of going into something that's so catastrophic. One family next door, you can be completely fine. Uh, nothing was really messed up. And then the next family could have, you know, lost everything. I love the heart of, we just love on them. You know, we, there's not a questionnaire they have to fill out before you decide if we're going to go in. It's, we go in and and we help and we're the hands. So because you were a volunteer for 11 years, that's pretty remarkable. Tell me what it's like to be a volunteer. Give our listeners a peek into that life.
1: So, yeah, you know, our our daily life is a, we look at a, um, an overnight volunteer that comes with us, you know, they're going to come and they're going to have sleeping on air mattresses in a church and they're going to be, you know, sleeping in a room with, men with other men women with other women who are sleeping on those air mattresses and then getting up to have breakfast at 6:30 in the morning to have devotions at 7 just to start our day out in prayer and in God's word to be ready and equipped to go and to serve and out in the field by 8 and then You know, tearing out drywall and, you know, picking up debris on the ground, cutting up trees, putting tarps on the roof. And and to be honest, in southwest Florida in October, it's still hot. I think there was record-breaking heat uh, the other day. Yeah, welcome Um, to Florida. And teams up on a roof with no shade. But you know what? Every bit of that sweat and every bit of those aches and pains that people have, they come back for dinner and they just start to share their story of who they were able to meet that day and who they were able to love on and how they were able to touch them. And for so many volunteers, how the homeowners were able to touch the volunteers and love on them and encourage them as well. And just to see that sense of community. So it's just great as a volunteer to be able to do that you know, and I think when I first went, to be honest with you, I went, my first response was to Katrina, to the ninth ward of New Orleans with Samaritan's Purse. And, you know, I went down there, I was, you know, a a seminary student on my January break, and we took several of us down there and went to serve. We had no idea what we were doing or what we were getting into uh, with zero skill sets. But it's amazing how God can use the nothingness we have and do great work with it. And so so many of our volunteers come with no, no skills, no idea what they're going to be doing, maybe never even held a hammer. But we have team leads who just, you know, walk alongside of them and instruct them along the way. And by the end of the day, you just think they were doing it the
0: whole life. Right? Uh, I mean, you can serve anyone can serve a meal, right? Anyone can hand out a blanket or a bottle of water or just a smile or give a hug. I mean, that doesn't take enormous skills. It just takes a heart of of compassion and and generosity and just giving and caring for others. So all of you listeners, you know, there was a couple of points I just want you to think about. If you're raising children and if you're going through a crisis and I'm going to be honest, uh, if you're living in the continental US, you're in a crisis. I mean, you're dealing with inflation. You're dealing with higher gas prices and food prices and every manner of life has been disrupted since March of 2020. Things have just been flipped upside down. And w- I get it. I I really get it. I'm living it too and Shannon is is too, but there's something that happens when we step outside of ourselves and even especially even for our kids to see us serve others. Uh, when we ourselves could probably say, could somebody please help me? There's something that happens in our lives and in our children's lives when they see us willing to kind of put aside that particular issue we're having right now and buying an extra case of water or writing a check and sending uh, some money for, for the groceries so that those that can go volunteer, they can get some time off work. Maybe you can't. So there's no guilt or shame. I just want to really emphasize, plug in somewhere and do what you can. Like Shannon said, you don't have to have roofing skills or plumbing skills, but you could probably use a shovel and shovel mud out of somebody's living room. Or you can hold the hand of a mom who's watching her life and thinking, how am I ever going to put all this back together? Um, You can sit with those and pray with and for those that aren't sure how they're going to do the next thing. And so I want you to hear that there's lots of options. We're, we're talking about volunteering. Uh, we're talking about Shannon's experience of volunteering for 11 years. She went with not knowing what she was going to do, not knowing how God was going to be able to use her. And 16 years, no, actually that's 17 years later, you're still doing it. You're still doing it. And I believe families that this is an opportunity for you, I'm many people volunteer with the Red Cross, and you know, there's other organizations, but this is a Christian organization who has a intent purpose on serving all. It's not about uh, the race or the color or background or socioeconomic level. I can assure you, hurricane damage could care less about your social, your economic uh, level, it levels anything and everything. When you've got that much of massive water coming down. And so I want you just to kind of keep those thoughts in the back of your mind as you are praying and asking the Lord, God, you know, I'm fine. I have AC. I have a tank full of gas in my car. My kids are doing great. Life is good right now. Where can I serve? And so Shannon, so when we think about, so i want to go back to volunteering. So if somebody wants to volunteer, maybe they can take a week off from work. They would just contact, go to where, where would they go?
1: Absolutely. Um, they can go to SamaritansPurse.org, and there's an opportunity to get involved. as a tab in there, and it'll show you all the places where Samaritan's Purse is accepting volunteers. We do, you had asked earlier about age, and we do require our volunteers to be 14 and up because we are working with chainsaws and skid steers and just some heavier equipment that, you know, we we need them to be 14 or older to be there. Um, But we love to have families. When I watch families come in as a former children's minister, I love to see children and teenagers coming alongside with their parents and serving together. We did a lot of family mission trips through my former church. And, you know, to see them serving together, I think you're right on that it's the children see from the example of their parents being willing to give of their time and their energy to meet the needs of others. And so we, we watch that happen with Samaritan's Purse, that people bring their, their teenage kids in and serve alongside of them. And so many of them, I, I think of a father back when I was in St. Louis earlier this summer. The father brought his son and he said, you know, I have never seen my son work this hard. I always think he's just this kid on his Game Boy all day. <laughs> But he worked hard and he loved on people and he stood in a prayer circle and prayed publicly in front of people. And the father was just so touched at the growth he had seen in his son through the opportunity of serving.
0: You know, I homeschooled my kids and when they were young, we because I live in Florida, <laughs> there were lots of opportunities uh, with hurricanes coming here and there, but I would always have us, th- that would be our school, Shannon. I would just say, hey, we're taking a week off of English and math and science and all the other things that you do. And we're going to take a week off and we're going to go serve. And what's amazing, and parents, I'm giving you some thoughts and ideas is, you know, school isn't just about sitting in a classroom. And if you homeschool, it's not sitting in wherever your homeschool room is, whether it's scattered across your house or it, you actually have a schoolroom. It's about learning. It's about learning life skills and soft skills and hard skills and technical things like math and and learning how to write and read well. But it's also learning how to care for others well, learning how to see through the eyes of other people. And meet the needs, like real tangible needs. And there's nothing like a disaster, in my opinion, to get our kids seeing through somebody else's eyes. And we would go, we would, you know, they were, my kids were young. I was always with them. So, yes, I'm a big proponent of parents go with your kids, take them, because those are the life lessons that you can talk about in the evening when you're kind of lamenting that your feet hurt or, Just you talk about the person you had a conversation with or they saw or a conversation they had, and you get to listen and you get to chime in and share and take that child a little deeper into how those people are reacting to the world around them, their world, and how their world has been absolutely disrupted and changed. And what was super important the day before the hurricane hits or the earthquake hits, it kind of pales to what they're facing right now. So that is an opportunity that you have. You take a week off work, take your kids out of school for a week. They're going to learn something immensely valuable that will serve them well for the rest of their lives. And when they're sitting around the Thanksgiving table and they're in their 20s or 30s, they'll remember that day. They'll remember the Shannons that they worked with. They'll remember the people that are in charge, quote, of The relief process. They'll remember how the Shannons treated them, or talked to them, or how maybe you're just helping the Shannon Dailies of the world, who's trying to do her job, and you're coming along and you're just assisting her. There's a place for all. I mean, is that a good way to say that, Shannon?
1: absolutely. I don't know that I could say that any better. When when I think of that, and I think of you know years I spent in children's ministry and tried to give that example to people, and, and I know that some of them grown up now raising their own kids and doing that same thing, getting their kids out there and serving. And so it it carries on from generation to generation and changes hearts. And, you know, we do all of it in the hopes of being able to share Jesus Christ with people and bring people into salvation in a bigger kingdom and then continue to do kingdom work.
0: So after you leave, I want to talk about donating and some other things too, but it just made me think about you can't stay down there forever, but how long, when you go into a disaster area, how long do you typically stay? Now, I'm not saying a family that volunteers has to stay this whole time, but what does that time frame look like from your end?
1: Right. So for Samaritan's Purse, it all depends on the size of the disaster. Some of our disaster responses are two weeks. Some of them are six months. It really just depends on what the need is and that we come in and we meet that need. But then we also, you're right, we can't be here forever. So there's two things that we do because we know the biggest need in the community is emotional and spiritual care. So for every homeowner that we work, we give them a copy of God's word. We give them a copy of the Bible because we know that's where their true hope comes from, that they can turn to in their desperate times. And then the other thing that we do is we partner with the local church. We don't just partner with them because it gives us a space to sleep and to eat. We partner with them because they're going to be the ones who can follow up with the community, follow up with those people who've accepted Christ, those homeowners that we've helped that were desperate, and be able to continue to love on them and continue to show them the love of Christ. And so even when we're long gone, the church is still there. And that's part of the reason why we love to have local volunteers, because they're in their own community, building those relationships with people they might not have ever met otherwise.
0: You're kind of like the conduit, so to speak. You Samaritan's Purse is very versed in what needs to be done in, in the aftermath of a disaster. Like you said, the emotional, there's there's emotional care. Um, people don't realize the trauma, the psychological impact. The Like with Hurricane Ian, I couldn't get over how loud it was. I mean, we were up all night long just waiting for that tree to crash on our home or waiting for that water that was coming to you know, continue to come closer and possibly into our home. I mean, so you're up all night with concern and you're looking out your windows and you're trying to make sure if you have little ones that they're not fearful. You're trying to keep fear at bay and that's what you do. You understand the psychological, the emotional, the physical, uh, the mental, all the aspects of a disaster. And you know how to go in. You know how to go in, set up camp, identify the need, and then start distributing and making a difference. And I love what you said, Shannon, how Samaritan's Purse then takes that part because, you know, it's going to take years to rebuild the Southwest Florida. And um, there's just so much. There, but I love how you say. Then you just kind of you're partnering with churches at the very beginning because they're the hands and feet. They're there. They're local. They want to continue to help, but they're not versed in this type of catastrophe, whether it's an earthquake or a fire or a flood or you know the hurricanes. I love how you you kind of come in, you get it all set up, you make all the contacts, you bring people together, you bring people together from all over the world to serve and help. And then it's not like you're trying to hold on to it as if, oh, they're ours, you know, we help them. No. Then you slowly work on equipping the locals, the local churches, the local parishioners of the churches to, you hand off the baton and then another disaster happens. I mean, that's kind of the way of life. Something else happens and the needs become great and you go to another disaster and help and serve those people. So, for those that maybe are in you know other parts of the country they don't live in Florida, you know an airline ticket would be $1500 because airline flights have gone up real high <laughs> or you know they can't afford the gas because you know whatever the gas price is in their state they can still help and give and their kids can still be part of that process. And that would be the donating, the giving of your financial resources. What does that look like? How do people do that? And how do you decide like, where does the money go? What does that process look like? So
1: if someone is going to donate to us, they can go to SamaritansPurse.org and there's a donate button and then they can make the choice of where they want it to go. Do they want it to go to a specific project or they want it to go to general? And so they could choose specifically disaster relief or they can choose specifically water projects or emergency field hospitals, of where they want that money earmarked. And we appreciate that. And we we can't do this without our donors. God has generously blessed us with people who are willing to give. But I will say probably one of the biggest ways that people can be helping if they can't come and be the hands and feet is to pray. Praying for the people in this area who have been devastated, who are dealing with just the emotional, like you said, just the fact that they stayed up and they listened to the wind and they listened to it all happen. And then they open their door and see the trees on the ground. And every time they open their door until that tree is cleaned up, they remember the storm and the fear that they had. Or when the next storm comes through that's of any significance, that fear all comes up again. And so praying for those people just to be able to have peace and comfort, to know that there is a God who loves them and cares for them and is protecting them. And then praying for the volunteers who are serving, that they're kept safe. The work we do It's not all dangerous, but there are some dangerous parts about it. And we know that God protects our volunteers as they're using chainsaws and skid steers and and up on roofs tarping. And so prayer is so needed from everyone in these uh, disaster situations. And that Um, doesn't
0: cost anything, does it? It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And what a great lesson for your kids.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And putting together, you know, Shannon, I was just thinking as you were saying that, Putting together a little care package, uh, a little uh, something. I don't know if that's even possible because right now, you know, when when there's so much, you're trying to even assess. Like, where do we begin? I have a friend who was down in the Southwest uh, area and sent me pictures of what you know, what like from her place. And I I just asked her. I said, "Where like where do you even begin?" Like, they don't even know where to begin their licenses are gone their insurance papers are gone their you know their cars are gone or flooded everything that they have is gone it's like well you can't go apply for this because well you need two forms of identification well what if you don't have them because you fled and you left your purse or got washed away or it's it's piled somewhere maybe a mile away but you don't have it and That's just what struck me is just the sheer overwhelm of stopping to think about a disaster in all forms, the simplest of things that you and I take for granted, like going to a gas station. Well, there are no gas stations. Going for groceries. Well, there's not any groceries because the grocery store was flooded. Going to get a new driver's license. Going to get any, applying, calling your insurance company. Well, that might be difficult because your insurance company might have been, you know, your local insurance agency. So, you know, For some reason, all of the disasters impact me, but the closer it hits home and the people that you love, the more it starts to make you realize it could have been you. It could have been a fire in your area, or it could have been a flood, or it could have been an earthquake, or it could have been any number of things. It could have been you. And what I think is so important, and listeners, I really want you to hear this, is there's something you can do, and I believe uh, this is not a guilt thing. But I think there's something we should do. I think that we should have some form of a response. Like Shannon said, you can do something as simple as committing to pray. Every morning when you get up and you're having your quiet time, you just pray. You pray for someone or for a group of people that you know, or the people that are serving, the firefighters, the research the search and rescue folks, people that are trying to help put lives back together. Pray for them. Pray for stamina pray for endurance, pray for protection, pray for safety, pray that there will be the financial resources because the work that Samaritan's Purse do is not cheap. And sure, they may have large donors and you know some of you have the means. It, it would be nothing for you to drop a, a $25,000, $50,000 check. Maybe your business can afford some type of really large donation. And maybe your kids can check their piggy bank cuz they were saving for a game system and they can take $5 out and you can take something out and you can say you know God uses it all and he uses all of us but all of us have a part to play whether we're the hands the feet whether we're the we're praying or giving or volunteering when we choose wisely like Samaritan's purse you know they have a reputation of distributing and being good caretakers, good stewards of the resources, whether it's the team, whether it's the financial piece, uh, whether it's the donations that they give, they're a trusted resource. And all of you know, I don't do this very often. I I think this is probably one of the first shows in all of our years of being on air that I have been this passionate and this vocal about encouraging you and and challenging you to do, do something. And it's not because... I live in Florida, but it is because I live in Florida and we've weathered a lot of storms here, but the disruption here on compounded with COVID and compounded with the economic crisis and the impending possible, maybe, I don't know, recession, we don't know, but the topsy turviness that's going on in our lives and in our kids' lives, there is a place that you can give and serve, whether it's local, whether it's state. Whether it's federal, it's federal has its place, but the federal government in any country, they can't do it all. And God doesn't call them to do it all. God calls us as believers, as the church, to step in. And so I just, I'm going to have all of this in the show notes. I'm going to have how to contact Samaritan's Purse, how you can get involved on a volunteer basis, or how you can um, be praying, what you can do uh, if you're local with your family, all of that will be in the show notes. Make sure you go over to ConnieAubers.com. We'll have links to everything you need over there. And Shannon, I just am so grateful that you were able to join us because you got a lot of work to do down there. And carving out 30 minutes means taking 30 minutes out of being able to help those that the teams that are already there. And I appreciate it. Would you just kind of leave us with whatever God's put on your heart and kind of close us out on our episode today?
1: Thank you for having us and thank you for getting the word out there and encouraging people to volunteer. I guess that's the words I would like to leave is look for a place to serve, whether that's with Samaritan's Person or disaster, or whether that's with your neighbors in your neighborhood or within your own community. Um, We always talk about when our volunteers come, they get on this high of, being able to serve while they're here. But the reality is you can have ministry on the way, whether you're at the gas station or the grocery store, there's always hurting people around you and you never know. So taking the opportunity to just stop and talk to people, asking how you can pray for them and being able to minister that way, always looking for those opportunities and the challenge of being able to challenge your kids to do the same and raising them that way that they are looking outside of themselves and looking to the needs of others. And so I just thank you for being that encouragement today and how you've encouraged me in that as well.
0: Well, I'm so glad. Thank you, Shannon. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Equipped to Be with Shannon Daly of Samaritan's Purse. And like always, tell your friends, uh, subscribe to the show, share this episode. I think it's going to be impactful. You know you know people I don't know, and maybe they're just waiting, and maybe they've been asking the Lord for where they can get involved, and you've heard this episode. Share it with them. Post it on your social media. Get the word out. There's something they can do, and there is a great need out there. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week on Equipped to Be.